we meet the needs of all Louisiana citizens? Every year, the Louisiana legislature is in session, and always the debate is about money. But we don't generally find enough money for services, for health care, for education, for families. Every year, issues come up related to meeting the needs of people with disabilities. Usually, the state budget is stretched to the limit, and there's not enough funding for health care or services for the developmentally disabled. Fortunately, there are great advocates at the Capitol working to represent families and the people with disabilities. Today, we wanna to focus on the issues and advocacy opportunities for Louisiana citizens, especially those that may need extra assistance, healthcare or other services. This podcast is called 17 Minutes to Change the World. As chair of Louisiana Progress, I believe that citizens need to be informed, engaged, and mobilized to hold our policymakers accountable. I'm Melissa Flournoy, Chair of Louisiana Progress, a former Louisiana legislator and a lifelong advocate uh, for children and families. And we're here today with Bambi Polozola, who is an amazing leader, teacher, activist, community leader, mother, advocate, just all around fantastic person. Bambi's the executive director of the Office of Disability Affairs in Governor Edward in the governor's office. So Bambi gets to work with elected officials, state agencies, nonprofits, and families to make sure that the state is helping to promote independence, self-determination, productivity, and inclusion for people with developmental disabilities. So this time of year, Bambi's at the Capitol during the legislative session, advocating for children and families. So welcome, Bambi. Thank you for making time to join us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for the invitation. Glad to be here. Well, I wanted to start off talking a little bit about your background and experience in state policy and politics and, and how you got involved in, in policy work, you know, at the local level and at the state level, and I think now even at the national level. Well, um, politics was always a part of my, my family. So I grew up in, in a family who um, we, we talked politics, you know, all the time, got involved and had interesting debates about um, elections. So that, that was something that just kind of drew me in. Um, and then, you know, just kind of going through life, um, finishing college and getting married and having children and starting my career, um, just maybe not as focused on, on politics. Um, but very quickly, um, I realized that I needed to be involved um, in order to um, advocate on behalf of my son. And 2001, my son uh, was two years old and he was diagnosed with autism and not really sure what that was back then, um, but just realizing that I really needed a lot of help to um, support him. And so um, just trying to figure out what needed to be done. I got involved with um, disability organizations and learned that um, how my voice needed to be heard. And so um, kind of from there, just my life has just moved into that direction of doing a lot of things in regards to um, disability work, um, but particularly around policy work for people with disabilities. Well, you've just done a great job. And so many families now are dealing with, it seems like more families are dealing with kids with autism. I don't know if we just know more or if it's diagnosed better. Um, but it seems like there are more families that uh, really need help in the education system and in healthcare. 
uh, to try and access services. And so, you know, you've seen a lot of changes in, in politics and policy, you know, in Louisiana. And, you know, I think it's getting better. I mean, I remember the dark days of Bobby Jindal was governor and it seems like everything got cut. So how would you describe sort of the budget situation under the Jindal administration and maybe where we are now and some of the, the changes that you've seen in the last decade? Well, um, I guess the, the key in, incident that I remember under the Jindal administration was in 2013, um, you know, advocates showed up at the Capitol and Melissa, you're, you know, you've always, you're always there at the Capitol and, you know, people remember seeing the yellow shirts, which are mm -hmm. um, people with disabilities, uh, actually um, people advocating for um, people with developmental disabilities. And we had a successful year and the legislature passed a budget that included um, more slots is what it's called for Medicaid waivers. These are, it's Medicaid on steroids. Basically it's Medicaid with additional services that people with disabilities need. And so this was passed, it was great success. Um, and then of course, on a Friday evening, um, we get the news from a press release that Governor Jindal vetoed uh, the funding for those slots. And, you know, so many people are waiting, like, like my family who we didn't qualify for Medicaid because my husband and I worked, but my son's needs were so great um, mm -hmm. that we needed that extra assistant and assistance. And so he really like that, that cut felt to us, or that veto felt to uh, our families, like just cutting our families off. And um, it, we were so desperate. And so we, we launched the, um, override the veto. And um, it was a 21 day campaign to, to try and get that veto override. And I, and I think it put a lot of pressure, a lot of negative. It is never good to veto services for people with disabilities. It's never a good look in the media. So he caught a lot of heat with that. We weren't able to override the veto, but I think it set the stage for people to understand the issues better and get us to where we are today. And um, Governor John Bell Edwards, who was Representative John Bell Edwards at the time, he was really helpful and supportive in our efforts um, in regards to overriding, trying to override um, this veto. And um, so that's kind of where, you know, things kind of um, got to know him better through all of that and then continue um, throughout the years to know him. Well, and I think Governor Edwards is a breath of fresh air. I think he really does care about people. I mean, you and I have been focused on politics for a long time, and and unfortunately, it has it always has seemed to take the the mothers with disabled children, with families helping families, with other advocacy groups, to really come and share their personal testimony at the legislature to help these elected officials put a human face to sort of understand the challenges uh, families face. I'll never forget the. Um, uh, when you came with the the trach moms and mothers with very compromised uh, uh, and medically fragile children that literally had to wheel their children to the Capitol to, you know, explain the types of services that are needed. And and I feel like we've made some improvements since uh, since those days. And you know, Governor Edwards has prioritized the Office of Disability Affairs, and you're the leader. And so, how how do you feel that the temperature has changed in the last couple of years or the level of awareness uh, and funding for some of these services. And, you know, what are some of the, the challenges we still face? 
Well, definitely Governor Edwards has been more accessible uh, to people with disabilities. Um, over his term, over his five and a half years now, um, as, as you know, we had to overcome a $2 billion deficit. Um, we've had to overcome, I think, every type of disaster. I hate to say every type because there's probably something that we haven't uh, faced yet, but so many hurricanes and floods and the pandemic. So it seems like we're constantly facing these challenges, but he's always prioritized people with disabilities. So we got our, our budget stabilized. We, we ended the wait list um, for people with developmental disabilities that I talked about earlier. There's no more wait list. There are people who with dis developmental disabilities who don't have a waiver, but it's because they've been um, screened that they don't have a, a need right now. Anyone mm -hmm. that has a need right now gets a waiver. You know, I, we had to wait 12 years before my son got a waiver. And now, you know, he would, he would have got a waiver back in 2001 when he was two or three years old based on his needs if we had this system in place. So that's, that's a big difference in, under um, Governor Edwards. Um, I would also say like his st the staff within the governor's office, it's not just me, I get a lot of credit, which I probably don't deserve all this credit, but the staff are, are people who really believe in all people should have opportunities and should have the supports that they need. And so we really, um, it's a great team and just great to know that I don't have to be present to know that those needs are being thought about, not only by Governor Edwards, but by the staff within his office. Well, you know, Bambi, you've done a great job of lifting up the voices of real people and real families. And and uh, one of your good friends, our good friends who passed away in COVID was a remarkable, talented young woman named April Dunn, um, who was a person with disabilities, but who was also a, a champion and an advocate. And so how important is it to make sure that the that, you know, we see people who are disabled as the competent, talented advocates that they are. I think April brought so much to the discussion and to life in the governor's office um, because of her passion uh, and her ability. Yeah, I think that's really important because oftentimes we focus on uh, the families or we say children with disabilities. Children with disabilities become adults with disabilities. My son will be 22 this summer. He is going to UL. UL and Lafayette now has a program for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities to go to college. I never dreamed that he could go to college, but other people did. And so other people were able, while I was the mother of a small child trying to figure things out, there were other people ahead of me, you know, making those roads that, that he needed to be able to have this opportunity right now. And so I think we really need to focus on um, how do we pay it forward? And also, how do we make sure that people with disabilities, it's about them and they need to be at the table. We really need to do a better job of, of making sure that people with disabilities are at the table and, um, you know, that, that we're, we're highlighting and, and, and showing. We don't have to highlight that their work is, you know, you can see the work that they could do. Um, it's just we need to give them the opportunity. And we've tried to, through, through uh, Governor Edwards' office, another uh, I mean, his administration, another thing that we have really focused on is employment of people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. um, you talked about school, of course, you know, going through school, there's a lot of challenges going through the school system if you have a, uh, a child with a disability. But we, we uh, all of us get an education in order to be able to be productive adults. And so we shouldn't think of that in any other way for people with disabilities. So um, 
you know, really giving them access throughout the lifespan is really important. Well, and I think that's a great point. I mean, I grew up and uh, worked in nonprofits basically most of my career and have worked with a number of different uh, organizations that were very focused on, you know, hiring, you know, I guess we used to call people handicapped people or people with the developmentally disabled, the ARCs and the Volunteers of America and the Goodwill and others. And so, you know, one of the changes that I see is that we now actually see people as more than their disability. So, you know, I think that's actually um, one of the more effective uh, advocacy, I guess, accomplishments, frankly, Bambi, is that really helping people see people not just for a deficit, but see, see them for their competency, for their potential, for their capacity, for their citizenship. And uh, so y'all have done a lot around helping people with jobs, but you've also done a lot around voter education for uh, getting people to be more involved in citizenship and that type of activity. So, um, you know, what are your priorities now? What else are y'all working on this year? And and what are the, what's going on in the legislative session that people need to know about? Well, um, in the governor's package, uh, one of the bills, that, and it's the bill that came for, out of um, our office, which is um, creating the state ADA coordinator's office, Americans with Disabilities Act, which was um, which was signed into law 31 years ago, and so what we what we found is that um, there's really no coordination of of accessibility within the state. Every state agency, by federal law, that has 50 or more employees has to have an ADA coordinator. But often these are people who have a, many other tasks on their plate, and so this office will help. Not, not be an enforcement office, but be an office to be proactive, to provide trainings, to provide resources, to help um, be the, these offices be more efficient in providing um, accommodations to the public that may need to interact with their office. You know, physical accessibility to their building is really important. And then the other key element is accommodations and employment to people with disabilities. So that office will help being proactive um, in those for those different um, areas. So we're really excited about that. That's a great improvement. Will that be somebody working in your staff or is that a separate? No, a it's separate an office. office. It's a new office. It'll be within the Division of Administration. Okay. Um, disability advocates were, were um, you know, really adamant that they did not want it to be a political appointed position. They wanted it to be um, within an office where it's a civil service so that that person had some protections to, you know, if they needed to push back mm -hmm. on what needed to happen, that they would have some protections and being able to do their job and also just continuity um, of, you know, the staff within that office. Yeah, that's true because, you know, I think your position is probably uh, appointed by the governor. Right. And yeah. so I think that's probably true. You know, uh, we got all this stimulus money and all this federal money through the rescue plan. Are the is there enough money in the budget this year for health care, for funding the waivers, for all that? What's our what's the budget look like for um, health and education services this year? Well, it's it's really great. I mean, we we spent so many years just being up there trying to fight against there being any more cuts. So this year, a few things that are being funded is not only our waivers are continue to be funding, but funded, but there's also money in the budget to increase 
the rates for the providers that provide the in-home care, we call it home and community-based services. And so those um, services are funded really low. Um, and so I think it'd be a dollar to $2 increase um, for, for those uh, providers. Also, which actually we're leading the nation on, on this effort is that there's a bill um, going through um, the process right now that would um, require Medicaid to provide dental coverage for adults with developmental disabilities. As you know, Medicaid provides dental services through um, childhood, but doesn't provide it for anyone over that um, age. But this would require it for our people with developmental disabilities. Um, and so that, that's a really big deal that we've been talking about since, I can remember since 2005, 2007. And so that's just, to me, it's just, I was talking to some of the people who are leading that effort today and just like, that just shows that you just got to keep working. You got to keep talking about it and telling people what the issues are. You don't always achieve the goal, but if you keep bringing it up and telling legislators what the issues are, you can eventually make some progress and get to your goal. Yeah, so that's a bill that's up in the legislature. Do you know the bill number, what that um, is? I should know it. I could I could give you that bill well, that, number before. That's okay. We'll put it on our website. I mean, okay. that's one of the issues that, that dental care for all Medicaid recipients, I think, should be available. Um, right. It's really, I think, been a huge issue in Louisiana. And, and that's a great next step. That's a great next step. Because I think we are making progress. Uh, and I do think we have people with goodwill working in the health department and education. And there does seem to be a more coordination because of the leadership of Governor Edwards across departments uh, to address many of these issues. So, you know, I'm hoping that legislation will pass. Well, what is it, what do you wish legislators and the public knew uh, about how to, or know about how to improve services um, for individuals and families. It seems like we're still sort of on a constant educational um, program to just try and help people, you know, see folks as they are and as who you want, they want to be, I guess, for lack of a better description. Yeah, so I think with legislators, you know, there's so many new legislators this term. So that creates, like, you, you basically have to start all over educating legislators, um, you know, on, on everything in regards to, um, I know specifically people with disabilities, but that, you know, across the board. Um, so that's a big hurdle there. Um, also um, for the public, I think the issue is, is that people often, um, as I said earlier, they see they're sympathetic to the needs of a family with a child with a disability. And then we forget about that people with disabilities um, become adults. And so just, you know, better knowledge about um, what's available to, for people to be able to be, to remove barriers for people with disabilities, you know, and, and create more opportunities. Um, as I said, you know, my son is going to college. We have about five universities and community colleges across our state that now have programs for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. That's a huge step. You know, we have, you know, people need to, know about our vocational rehabilitation services, which provides employment services for people with disabilities. And so I think the key is that we have to start educating people very young, the families, the educators or, or the service providers 
when you know maybe a child is really young and and look at it from the aspect that what do we want for this child whenever they're an adult and so to get people to start looking at because if you don't prepare yourself for that adulthood when you get there you just you know sometimes it's just very stagnant and so we just need to prepare those um you know families is i think is the most important thing is to make sure they have those high expectations well, I think you're right. One of my friends uh, had a had a brother who lived in a group home for a number of years, and because he was in a, a good, safe, structured um, housing environment, he was also able to work and, and have as normal a life as possible. And so, you know, I do think you're right. We've got to think about this continuum of care, of support services, whether it's education, healthcare, housing, um, to help support these families and, and to support uh, uh, folks as they age out of, you know, the school system supports and other things like that. So um, it's a lifetime commitment for families. And uh, I know other families, friends of mine are worried about what happens to them uh, and happens to their child uh, if something happens to the parents. And so you know, that's my feel- biggest, that's the biggest thing that I think about every day. You know, I got through education, but that is the thing that I'm fo- like, what is going to happen? Do I have the resources and the support set up for if I'm no longer here? And that is a huge burden, you know, to really think about. So the, the legal com- legal aspect and making sure you have your wheels and your special needs trusts and, and all those things set up to where you know, that your, your loved one is taken care of. The other issue that we have to think about as we're getting older is people are living longer. So people with developmental disabilities are living longer and their parents are living longer. And we're seeing where both of them are maybe needing services. We've seen a lot of people where mm-hmm. they're needing the aging services and they have a, a person, you know, maybe a child that's now 50, 60 years old that's still needing services. So we really need to look at it within our system um, you know, within the Department of Health and look at how do we um, coordinate those services so it best meets the needs of, of those families and keeps those families intact. Um, so that's kind of the thing that's on the horizon. We've been, you know, I've been talking about that a lot, but I, I, I see that, um, you know, a lot of families are facing that now. And I think it's going to become more prevalent. Well, and, and I think you're right, Bambi. And I think that helping families make those decisions um, about resources, about safety, about security. Some families may have the financial wherewithal to do a, a trust for their children, others may not. And just ensuring that we have uh, uh, an accountable, compassionate healthcare delivery system in Louisiana uh, is so important, it's so important. And you know, we've got a lot of things broken in our state. We've got a lot of good things that are working and working better. But if you could fix one thing in Louisiana, you know, what what would you want to fix? Wow, there are so many things. Um, I guess it would have to do it with people like really understanding how we're we're all connected. What, what I see sometimes is that people are advocating and, and sometimes it's frustrating to me with my disability advocates who I love is that they can see the issues from the standpoint of how it affects them in the disability community and can't, it doesn't seem that they uh, recognize how the parallel of what other marginalized groups are facing. 
And so I wish that people could, could be, I guess, more, um, more aware of how those things, you know, we really are parallel and we're actually working on, uh, we're fighting this for the same issue. You know, we're fighting for, for um, equity and housing and transportation and economic security, employment, education. We're all um, working towards that and we could just respect each other's, you know, struggles and, and, um, and realize that everyone has potential and, and just make those investments we need to make in all people. Well, I think you're right. I think there's a, a need for empathy as well as compassion. And then there's also this opportunity for coordination of limited resources. And, uh, and I think we've come a long way and we've come a long way in, in your son's lifetime uh, from where 20 years ago, you probably would not have imagined that that your son would be go, uh, going to college, graduating from high school and going to college. And so, you know, I just think that every generation has an opportunity to make the world better. I'm sort of naive that way, but, you know, I like that part of it. That um, So what advice would you give to young people who want to make a difference in Louisiana or want to pursue a career in politics or, you know, just, just sort of understand that, that each of us have an opportunity to um, use our gifts and talents uh, to help people. Well, I mean, I would say what's worked for me is to follow my passion and then, you know, connect with other people, find other organizations or groups. Like I understood disability because I lived it, um, but find other um, communities that had lived experiences, find those people you can trust and believe that, that what their experiences are real and, and, and also they're really great organizers. And then like people like you, Melissa, and so many other people, you know, I, I have to give a shout out to someone who calls you a mentor, Bruce Parker, who is now my boss, which he tells me not to call him my boss. Um, but, you know, like, coordinating that that's how we, I got involved was like just advocating for people with disabilities working you know with Bruce and other people with Louisiana progress and we working together and we figure out hey we're stronger together and and just you know figure out where you can make a difference and where you find that your life is is meaningful and and you know just just let that guide you and that's worked for me so um that's what I'd well well, God bless you, Bambi, because uh, you live it. Uh, you help people every day from all over the state. You're a tremendous role model and mentor to people. Uh, and you're a visionary because I think you really do have a tremendous ability to bring people together uh, and to focus on what's possible uh, and not focus on what the roadblocks are. And so, you know, I'm just grateful for your leadership and your commitment and for coming to speak with us today, because really the message we want to promote through our podcast is that, you know, sure, we have problems in Louisiana, but we can solve them. That there are smart, competent, talented people in Louisiana working to focus on solutions that can be practical and pragmatic um, and, and really get things done. And so we call this podcast 17 minutes to change the world because we want people to take a few minutes and be informed and be an advocate um, because we think we can do better in Louisiana 
if we hold our elected officials accountable. And we want people to be uh, informed, engaged, and mobilized, to come to the state capitol during the legislative session, to check out the Louisiana Progress website, learn more about the legislation that's happening up there, follow us on Facebook or Twitter, uh, because our goal really is to help people have confidence to know that they have personal power to make a difference. So we want folks to stand up, speak up, and show up. Thanks, Bambi, for being with us today.